Welcome to Central Church Online. If this is your first time with us, please text us using the info at the bottom of the screen. We'd love to get to know you better. Here at Central, we have five points of connection. Attend regularly, serve purposefully, give generously, invite boldly, and connect relationally. And if you'd like to give generously, see the three options shown at the bottom of the screen. Enjoy the service. Well, how we doing, church? Thank you so much for taking time to connect with us today. Good morning, Creston. Hello, St. Greg's. Hello, everybody watching at home. If you have a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Second Kings chapter 5, that's where we're going to start today. Um, matter of fact, we'll be there the entire time. We'll be there for like the next four or five weeks. We are starting a brand new series today called Great Expectations. And we're going to take the next several weeks and we're going to talk about anticipating what God has next for our lives because God's always moving. God's always working. God's always calling us from where we are to get us to where he wants us to be. And we have to step into that with an expectation that God is always going to be moving and, and we have to anticipate what he's going to do, not anticipate, but have an anticipation of expectation of what he's going to do next. Um, let me set the series up like this. Everybody here, everybody watching online, everybody in Creston, there's no exception to what I'm about to say. Everybody, all of us, all people you have had a you've got to be kidding me moment with God you have and don't look at me like your only problem was you had to make sure your halo was straight as you were polishing it this morning to make sure it looked good before you came to church because if that's you uh you're at the wrong church <laughs> because all of us all of us have had something happen to us, um, something said about us, something said to us, something said about or to, or something happened to somebody that we love that we've literally said, God, are you kidding me? Like, God, how could you allow this to happen? Most of us, most of us who would be willing to be honest today have wondered, God, do I matter? Like, God, do, do I really like even matter to you? Because if I matter to you, like you wouldn't have let this happen. God, if you, if, if, you, if, if you really thought about me, if I really mattered to you, then this wouldn't be going on in my life. And, and let me tell you this, what, whatever that instant is, whatever the this is that has caused us to wonder if we even matter to God, it has to do with our butt. Now, <laughs> let's talk about butts for a minute, because anytime I mention butt, people get serious and people get like just uptight and people start getting like all just like crazy like uh, years ago years ago I read this poem in the church called butt prints in the sand and people got angry and some of them left and and didn't come back or some of them used that as like the tipping point of like anger and and it was crazy and it got all out of hand so I just figured because it made people upset then I just would read it again today how's that <laughs> This is what it says. One night, I had a wondrous dream. This is like a, a take on the footprints in the sand, by the way. You know that one, right? 
footprints in the sand, Jesus carrying a person. I saw the two sets and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, one night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen, the footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prince appeared, and I asked the Lord, what have we here? These prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow, the walk of faith you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. That's like so good, so awesome. Like I think it's like 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 perfect because that that's really what we do. We 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 get to this point where where we want to rely on Jesus for so much, but he says, "Hey, there, there's something you have to do as well." And then we just give him our butt. But 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 I don't think I can and I don't but you know, if I do that, but if this happens and, and our butt gets in the way. And so when we talk about butts, everybody gets upset, but you need to loosen up. Like it's central cuz seriously, we talk about butts all the time. Like we've been singing about butts in America for years. Casey and the Shun- Sunshine Band back in the 70s were singing what? Shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake your booty. Sh- Sir Mix-a-Lot told us he likes big butts and cannot lie. <laughs> Going to church, can't lie. E- even you country music fans, like you sing about honky-tonk, but don't get right. You sing about that. So don't look at me and judge me when we talk about butts. Everybody, everybody, everybody has a butt. Think about it. Think about it. I have a real good friend. Um, she, she lost a finger and the surgeon like took her finger to she didn't and she moved one over. Um, she has to have special gloves made like every winter. She has to have like these gloves made because she's only got four fingers on one hand. I'm like, why don't you just wear mittens, Nick? And she's like, uh, I, I don't know, like that doesn't make sense. She doesn't like them, whatever. Another story for another time. Um, we had a guy here one time. He lost the leg, not like in a service, um, like years prior or whatever. Um, one day uh, he got baptized and he came in and uh, he came in on crutches, but he had had his leg on, early, his fake leg on earlier in the morning, but he, he came from the back and he crutched up to the baptismal and uh, found out later he had left his fake leg propped up in the stall in the bathroom and it freaked some kids out. Some kids were in there like they were like panicked and people were telling me and the parents were telling me I'm like did you take a picture of it they're like no we didn't take a picture of it you missed a golden opportunity like it li- listen listen this is a side note if you ever see a fake leg propped up in the bathroom please take a picture of it just anyway I know people who have lost body parts you know people who have lost bo- body parts however there's not a single person on the planet that's missing a butt like that that would be weird like how, how do they even make jeans for you <laughs> right now, let me pause. I'm 100% certain that if there is somebody missing a butt, you're watching online right now, and I just offended you, and I want to let you know I am so sorry. If you will email me at john at yourcentralchurch.com, um, we can discuss. Anyway, um, everybody, everybody's got a butt. Now, hold on to that thought because we're going to come back to that throughout this message because at the end of the day, in fact, if you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to get this. Your butt matters to God. It, it doesn't matter 
what, what it is, but it matters to God. Your butt matters to God. Tell your neighbors that right now. Just, just tell them that. Your butt matters to God. Go ahead, tell them. Your butt matters to God. Listen to me. To God, you matter. So, 2 Kings chapter 5. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard this story before. But again, we're going to take the next several weeks, five weeks, um, really, and go through this one story in the Bible, this one chapter in the Bible, because it's incredible, and I don't want us to miss anything. That's why we're going to spend so much time on it, because this story is so incredibly practical to everything that's going on in our lives today. So check this out, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. First part of the verse says this, the king of Aram, now that, that's Israel's enemy, all right? Israel's God's people, um, and this is like Aram is Israel's enemy. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. Now, let me pause real quick and just say this. In ancient literature, that sentence right there would have been considered weird. Let me tell you why. Typically, people had great admiration for the king, like you, you wanted to respect the king. Um, even if you didn't have great admiration for him, you pretended to have great admiration for him because, like, that's just how things got done back then. So, so you really, 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 really like the king. But the writer of Second Kings wants us to know that the king actually admired Naaman. It, it, it's, it's like this, like, like do, you have, do you have this person in your life that you secretly don't like, and the reason you don't like them is because they're good at everything, like they can do anything at all. Anybody, you know people like that, they can do anything? Like some people, like Brenda, she's our connection director. That chick can do anything. Like I can come to her with an idea. Hey, I want to train on stage for Christmas. Why do you want to train on stage for Christmas? I don't know. I just think it would look cool. She can make it happen. Me, maybe I might be able to change a light bulb and pray the church won't explode. Like that's, that's about my skill set. I can't do anything. Actually, I can do one thing. I, I can preach. Um, I, that's the only thing I can do as I can preach. And that's only because I spend like 30 to 35 hours working on just that one thing. That's all I can do. That's it. That's that's my skill set around here. But, but there are people um, who can do anything. You know people like that who are good at everything. I've got a friend who can walk into a kitchen, and she can be like, oh, I'm just going to throw some stuff together, and it's like the best gourmet meal you've ever had. And you're like, how did, how did you even do that? You had like salt and parsley like that that was it and all of a sudden we got this I screw up hot pockets <laughs> like that's that's me I cook them too long or something all right so the fact that the king had great admiration for Nam is is amazing because of what he was able to do it, it wasn't the fact that that it all happened the way that that the king wanted necessarily but but the king was getting great stuff done and great stuff was happening because of what Naaman was doing, and because of that, the king had great admiration. And so that's why I just I want to share the first part of this verse and not the whole thing, because I need to point something out. This verse in this, this right here reminds me that um, God, I mean, it's so cool to be reminded of this. Let, let me just read it again. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord, Let, let's, let's just say that together. Who? The, the Lord had given Aram great 
victories. And so quick question, it's not a trick question. Even though he had great admiration for Naaman, who gave the king the victories? It was who? It was the Lord, right? Now here's what's crazy. Naaman was an Aramean, meaning he wasn't Jewish. The Jews were God's people. The Arameans were God's enemies. In today's world, we would say that Naaman would be non-Christian. Like, that's what we would say. Like, hey, he doesn't come to church. He's combative against church. He's fighting against church people. So literally right here in this text, we see God giving victory to, to somebody who's not even a believer in him. Isn't that crazy? And to me, it's just a reminder that everybody in the room, everybody watching online, everybody in Creston, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, one of the things that we all have in common is this. Every single gift is a gift from God, period. Like, I don't care if you're a Christian, non-Christian. If you're a non-Christian, I'm super glad you're here. The reason we do church every week is because of you, because we want you to meet Jesus. But, but here's the thing that, that you need to understand. If you've been blessed, it had to go through the hands of God before it got to you, whether you believe in him or not. I, I remember one time talking to a businessman who had he had this idea, and he launched a business, and he had made a ton of money. And he was telling me, you know, God has had nothing to do with this. And I was like, really? Like, where did you get the ability to think? Who do you think, like, actually put that idea in your head? L listen, if it was common, everybody would do it. Would you say that that thing was great, that it was special, that it was unique to you? Y yes. But that thing that you think you came up with, God came up with that and blessed you with it, even though you didn't know him. Think about this. How many people, whether you're in this room or watching online or in Crescent, how many people would just admit that God was blessing you before you even acknowledged his name? The, the, before you were even born, the Bible said God was blessing you. And so if you've got a blessing in your life today, no matter what that blessing is, is that blessing came through the hands of God before it got to you. You know why? Because you matter. Because you matter to God. Everything about you matters to God. You're created in his image, on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose, and you matter. As a kid, I, I don't know about you, but I used to think that God only blessed good people and he cursed bad people. But then you run into this, 2 Kings chapter 5. And not only that, but in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking, and, and he says this in verse 45, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. For he, so he's talking about God, gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the and the unjust alike. Jesus said that. In other words, Jesus says, hey, God doesn't just bless good people. The, the bad people get blessings too. Now, I'm not saying that so you can go out and be bad and say, well, I'm going to get blessed either way. That, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I want you to hear. That's not the walk away that you need to take. But you need to understand that God rules and reigns supreme, and God's going to do what God's going to do, and he brings down blessings on people, people. All right, let's get back to the text, rest of the verse, because this is where it gets crazy. This is where we're going to talk about your butt. Watch. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But, this is the but that I'm talking about. This is the but. And all of us have one of these, every single one of us. But through Naaman, but, but though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered. He suffered. He suffered from leprosy. Now, 
we've, uh, we've talked about this in this church before, um, but leprosy was a horrible way to die. Horrible. And every time I say that, people say, is there a great way to die? <laughs> Listen, if I could sign up for a way to go, lightning strike. Nuclear missile landing on my head. Like, I want to go fast. I want to be just walking along, seeing somebody, hey, how you doing? Jesus. Woo. Like, that, that's, that's how fast I want it to happen. But leprosy was no joke. Leprosy was not fast. Leprosy took a long time, and it was painful, and it was horrible. And on top of having this horrible disease, well, this is going to be hard to believe, but back then, um, it's really difficult to believe that a society, any society would do this, you, but you can't make this up. <laughs> this is true. Leprosy started off as a skin disease, like, like a rash. If people thought you had this disease, they would actually quarantine you. Not making this up. And because it was contagious, they would go back and they would find everybody who had been in contact with you and they would quarantine them also. How crazy is that? <laughs> then they would come and they would check on you and if it was just a rash, you could go. But if you had leprosy, leprosy like your skin literally rotted off your body. If you had leprosy, you were on your own. And so when you had leprosy, at first, you would try to hide it. Because listen, if people discovered you had leprosy, not only would you get quarantined, you'd get kicked out of town. And nobody would want anything to do with you ever again. This was a big deal. So let me ask you this question. Naaman, mighty warrior, great victories for the king. Do you think he tried to hide his leprosy, yes or no? Yeah. Absolutely he did. He's a warrior. He can hide it under his armor, right? He could put his armor on, on and nobody could see it. And if nobody could see it, he didn't have to deal with his leprosy. We do the same thing, the same exact thing. You say, Pastor Ryan, there's nobody in our church dealing with leprosy. Well, let's make it more real. Let's just change Naaman's name to Dave. And so this text would read, but though Dave was a mighty warrior, he suffered from depression. And you hide that. You don't let people see that. Because if they really knew, you'd get kicked out. If they really knew, you'd get isolated. Tom. But though Tom was a mighty warrior, he suffered from an addiction. See, I could do this all day long. It's that thing that we won't talk about. It's that thing in our lives that we hide. But listen, it's never been easier than today to hide who we really are, really. I mean, we live filtered lives, do we not? We, we, we've got a filter for every single thing on social media. We filter this, we filter that, we can Photoshop, and we can look so good. And then we get on social media and we only post our highlights. Nobody, nobody's out there talking about their struggles. Nobody's talking about the, the, the real them. Nobody wants anybody to see that. We hide behind our filters. Listen, Naaman was a great mighty warrior and everybody thought he was big and strong but his biggest battle was the battle that he fought that nobody else knew about there's some people here you're fighting a battle that nobody else knows about it's killing you and you won't talk about it because you're afraid if you bring it out you're afraid if you talk about it you're afraid if other people see it you're going to get kicked out you're going to get isolated people aren't going to have anything to do with you let's keep going isn't it funny how irrelevant the Bible is? It doesn't speak to anything that we're dealing with in today's world. It's crazy. I don't even know why we sit and talk about it every week. Verse 2, 
At this, the Aramean Raiders, they've played everywhere, haven't they? Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, not the playoffs, but football joke for those of you who don't get it. The Aramean Raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Now, I'm going to go ahead and make a statement. I want you to listen to me. I want you to look at me, lock eyes with me. I'm not trying to be sexist. I just love you enough to tell the truth. When it comes to men and women, for the overwhelming majority of the time, women are much greater planners than men. Would you agree? Yes or no? Yes. Like, like, like if a couple has kids, let's say, let's say a couple has seven kids. All right, let's say they took the Psalm of, Song of Solomon literally, um, and they got seven kids. The woman knows all their names, their birthdays, their likes, their dislikes, their blood types, like everything. Men, man, we're vaguely aware of little people in our house. Like, don't, we, don't, we don't plan. In fact, you know a mom plans every kid's birthday party, right? Because if you tell a dad, hey, plan your kid's birthday party, dad's going to be at high V day of with their kids and pick out a cake. Hurry up, let's go. <laughs> like mom's got a theme and everything. Everybody leaves with a little prize. Like people come, it's not even their birthday and they leave with a present. It's dumb. But, but they plan. Do we need to talk about weddings? So, like you ask a guy to plan a wedding versus a girl to plan a wedding, a guy's going to be like, you got five minutes. In and out, five minutes. They, they tell me that, Pastor Ron, you can do it five minutes, right? Dude, I can do it less than five minutes. Like seriously. So we're all in agreement that women are planners, yes or no? Yes. So with that in mind, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this young girl that gets taken captive. Do you think before the enemy came along, she had plans for her life? Listen, most scholars believe that she's in her teenage years, mid to late teenage years, and she's probably got a plan. She probably got a guy in the village, and they've been going out on a couple dates or whatever. Like, they've been seeing each other. Things are starting to happen. Things are starting to progress. She's happy. They're going to have a family. They're going to go to festivals together because they're Jewish. Jewish people had festivals all the time, festivals and celebration. And so she probably has all these plans. And then one day she goes outside to do something, and there's like, I don't know, like a cloud of dust, and she doesn't know quite what's going on, and it turns out to be the enemies. The Arameans. Maybe even Naaman is leading the raiding party and she's taken captive by the enemy. Let me ask you this question. Do you think after this happened, the girl wondered, God, do I matter? Do, do you think, like, she's, she thought, if I matter to you, God, how could you allow this to happen to me? God, I've got these plans. God, I've, I've got this good life. I've got things going on. And God, if you really cared about me, why would this happen to me? There are people here, that's what you struggle with. Like something has happened to you, something has happened to somebody that you love, and because of that thing, it's caused you to say, God, do I matter? God, do you even care? God, are you even there? Are you listening? Like, like do I matter to you at all? So this girl, she basically gets human trafficked, and nobody plans for that, but, but that's what's happening. She gets human trafficked and placed into Naaman's house to serve his wife. And then, and then she finds out, um, we discover that she finds out that, that Naaman has leprosy. And we don't know how she found out, but she found out. Now, I want you to think about this, and I want you to be honest. If you were the girl and the man responsible for completely ruining your life, 
if you found out he had leprosy, would you be a little happy, yes or no? Yeah, I know somebody say, no, I would not stop it. You're not that godly. But she walks in the room, and, 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 and he's taking off his armor, and she's like, oh, dang, N- never seen anyone with that before. Get that on Instagram real quick, hashtag Naaman or whatever. I, I think she would be a little bit happy. Because listen, and l- let me say this, I, I don't wish bad things to happen on anybody. I don't want something bad to happen to anyone. Please don't run out of here and say, Pastor Ryan wants bad things to happen to bad people. That's not what I'm saying. Like if I hear somebody's got cancer, like it breaks my heart. If you celebrate that, there's something broken inside of you. But I do have what I call four flat tire people. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like if, if you're riding down the road, and I'm not talking about you see somebody that had a flat tire. I'm talking about they have four flat tires. Like all four of their tires went flat. And, and I drove by them. Man, there's something inside of me that would just have a little bit of joy. I'd probably blow the horn and wave. Pastor Ryan, would you stop? Nope. <laughs> no. I am so broken and ungodly, it's not even funny. And I'm up here leading this whole thing because I've got some four flat tire people in my life. How many of you got four flat tire people in your life? Raise your hand. How many of you are sitting with them? No, don't do that. That would get weird and awkward. Don't, don't raise your hand right now. But you would think this girl, that, that she's sitting there, and, and this ungodly pagan steps into her life, grabs her, completely blows up her life. And listen, the, the enemy literally stole her joy. The enemy stole her peace. The enemy stole her entire future, all of her plans. She had every right to be angry and bitter and mad at God. But then we see in this next verse, and and, and it's literally, this is one of the most captivating verses in the Bible when we see it in this context. Watch this, verse 3. One day, so this took some time, right, because healing is a process. wasn't immediate. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. This is insane. It's insane. Think about this. This girl who had her life ruined by Naaman actually cares enough about him to go to his wife and tell her, hey, I know a place where you can go and meet a person who can heal you. Now, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, real quick survey, um, look around if you're at St. Greg's or if you're in Creston, um, how many of you have ever broken something, Ber- ever broken an arm, a leg, broken a nose, finger, whatever, Ra- raise your hand. All right, probably, probably a lot of people, probably quite a few people. So let's say this, let's say hypothetically today, you're leaving your building And we've talked about this before, but this illustration carries, and so I'm going to use it again. Let's say you're walking out, and you step off the sidewalk, and and your leg just snaps. It snaps. You hear it snap, and you fall down. Like, Like you fall down, and you grab your leg in pain, and you look at your leg, and your leg is broken. Like it's all the way broken. Like there's no doubt that it's broken. Probably bone sticking through, blood squirting out. Like I know it's graphic, but but you know you know it's broken. What do you do? Do you look at somebody and say, oh, you know what? Take me to the bookstore. I'm going to find a book on how to walk in brokenness. And so for the next six weeks, we see you at Central coming in. You're just dragging your brokenness. <laughs> and people look at you and you're like, hey, don't judge me. Nobody's perfect. Why are y'all judging me? I'm not judging you. You're just stupid. You're an idiot. Your leg's broke. Like, go get it fixed. Would you join a broken leg support group where you'll just show up and talk about how broke you are? Is that what you're going to do? 
No, you would go to the ER, right? You would get your leg fixed. You would go to a place where you could be healed and see the person that could heal you. And every time, every time I talk about this, I, I, I just get to this point of like that is 100% what every church should be like. That, that's why churches should exist. That's why we exist as a church. This is what we need to be as a church, a place where you could come and meet a person, not, not me, but you can, Jesus, you can meet Jesus who will heal you. I want this to be a place where you could come and get real, where you can walk in and somebody say, hey, how you doing? And you don't have to say, fine, I'm good. I'm, I'm great, knowing that you just completely fell apart on the drive here and you sat in your car for 15 minutes trying to come up with the courage to walk into the building. A place where somebody says, hey, how are you doing? You can say, you know what? This week sucked. I'm struggling. Anxiety is killing me right now. I'm depressed. I don't know how to get out of it. I need help. What would happen? What could happen if we just got real on a consistent basis and we walk through this with each other. See, this girl, she's like, if my master would go see the prophet in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, another thing that struck out to me that's mind-blowing, well, let me, let me kind of set this up like this, because from time to time as a pastor, I'll have somebody ask me this question. Pastor Ryan, uh, how do you measure spiritual maturity? And that, that's a tricky question. It is. Measuring spiritual maturity, like, it's tricky. But it's usually asked by a church person. And, and, and they, want to, they want a super church answer. They want me to say, well, spiritual maturity by many people is measured by how long you pray or how much of the Bible you know. I, I had somebody tell me one time the mark of a spiritually mature person was somebody who knows the Scripture. And I was like, well, if that's your logic, then the devil's super spiritually mature because he knows the entire Bible. Bible. In fact, the men in the New Testament that knew the Bible the best were the ones that killed Jesus. So just put that like pin in your head and understand that. I'm not saying don't memorize. All right, the scriptures are great. I love me some scripture. I got some favorites and, and I love it and you should be in it and you should understand it. But, but that's not always the measure of spirituality. The truest measure of spirituality, I think, is, is doing what Jesus said. Like he's at the Last Supper, and we talked about this last week, and we're going to talk about this a lot through the series. But he's at the Last Supper, and they're all talking, and, and they're talking about all this stuff. And, and Jesus just interrupts them and says, guys, 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 listen, you're missing the entire mark. What, what you need to do is love one another. And they're like, all right, how do we do that? And he says, as I have loved you, which I'm certain was incredibly difficult for them to hear because they had heard him teach, love your enemies. And, and they had watched him love enemies. Would love your enemies be the mark of a spiritually mature person? Like, could we put that? I'm just throwing this out. I'm just asking for kicks and giggles. W would that be something that we could say, somebody who loves their enemies, is, is that a point of spiritual maturity? Because this girl, talk about spiritual maturity. Right here, you got somebody that's loving people, even the enemy. The enemy that, again, robbed her of peace and joy and her future and her plans. This girl speaks up and, and she tells Naaman, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Naaman, you can get healed, but you can't get healed here. You, you've got to step out and go somewhere. Somebody, somebody in our church needs to hear that. You could be healed, but you can't get healed staying where you are. L let me tell you something. You matter to God so much that if you don't step out, he'll expose what you're going through.
listen, I've got great expertise in this area. I, I can remember standing at my kitchen counter popping pain pills, telling myself, I'm going to quit tomorrow. I'll quit tomorrow. I told myself that for a year and a half. Do you know you can lie to yourself so much you can convince yourself that you're actually going to quit tomorrow? I didn't quit, but I mattered so much to God. He said, all right, you're not going to quit. You're going to keep making all these promises to me. You're going to keep saying this. You're going to keep doing all these things. You're not going to quit. All right, I'll expose it. And, and I could tell you that what I went through while it was painful, I wouldn't trade where I am today for anything in the world. And listen, I don't say that to be anybody's hero because I don't, I don't want to be anybody's hero. I don't. I want to tell you about a man named Jesus who healed me. I mattered to him, and so do you. All of my buts, all of my excuses, everything that I came up with in that, I still mattered enough to him that he would heal me. But you can't get healed if you stay where you are and cover your leprosy with your armor and filter your life and pretend that everything's okay. So Naaman, he does something that's awkward. He has this conversation, watch this verse four. So Naaman told the king, no, hold on. You don't do that. You don't talk about your problem. You don't tell people about your leprosy. You don't tell people what's really going on. In fact, that's what our parents and grandparents told us. You don't tell people about your business. Don't talk about what's going on. Don't talk about family stuff. Naaman goes and tells the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Now, in order for the king to fully understand, I, I want you to understand this. I want you to think through this entire process because like, the king's just not going to be like, oh, the girl said something like, go see a prophet. Why do you got to go see the prophet for? In order for the king to understand, Naaman had to say, listen, I know I look like a mighty warrior. I know I look like, you know, everything's all together. I, I know I look great to you. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going out and doing great things, um, but I suffer from leprosy. And Naaman didn't do what we do in the church because we try to minimize stuff sometimes, especially in the church world, do we not? Will y'all pray for me? I'm struggling with some issues. No, you're looking at porn. There, there's a difference, all right? Um, pray for me. I'm dealing with a situation. No, you can't quit snorting cocaine, all right? Like, it's, it's different. See, the reason I encourage people to admit your struggle out loud is because once you admit it out loud, the power it has over you begins to shatter. Take it from somebody who's been down that road multiple times. When you confess it out loud, when you confess your sin out loud, the power that that sin has over you, it, it begins to shatter, and you begin to step into healing. And so Naaman goes, and he has this uncomfortable conversation. Listen, confession is always difficult. It's always. It's always, it's always hard. But, but in the end, God works it out for greatness. Naaman goes, has this uncomfortable conversation. You know why? Because he got tired of living with leprosy. He got tired of seeing a problem that wasn't going away. He got tired of wishing things would be better and them never getting better. Naaman, who probably wanted to do what we do. Well, you know what, girl? If there is a God, like if this prophet can talk to God, why, would, why do I matter to him? He meets this girl who's wrestling with, hey, I got the same things. Like if there's a God, then why am I here? Why did I get taken captive? Like I don't even know, like I'm wondering if I even matter to God. But something in her heart, even though she was struggling with, do I matter? Everything's falling apart around me. Everything is different than I wanted it to be. My plans didn't turn out to be my plans, and I don't know how I feel about that. There was something in her that caused her to love her enemy. She mentions to him that he needs to go to a place, and watch what happens. This is fascinating. She says, go to the prophet. Go visit the prophet the king of Aram told him. Now, next week, <laughs> this is going to be great. 
Um, you can't make this up. Naaman gets it wrong. He was told to go to God. Um, he winds up going to the government. Isn't that crazy? He thought government could cure him of his disease. Instead of going to God, he goes to the government. Hypothetically, that'd be like saying, I don't know, let's just make up a scenario. Let's just say like a pandemic hit in America and we turn to government rather to God to heal our land. I know it's completely out of the box thinking. It could never really happen. Um, but we're going to take that hypothetical situation and talk about it next week. You could talk about that. Church and politics don't mix. Oh, man, I hope you're here next Sunday. Next week, you're either going to love the message or you're absolutely going to hate it. There could be no middle ground. That, that's where we're going to be at. The, the point I'm trying to make right here is this. You would think the king of Aram would say, um, no, 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 no. Don't go to that place. You, you, don't, don't go to the prophet. Don't hang out with those people. Like they, they worship a different God and you don't want to be around them. Like next thing you know, you're going to be raising your hands at a worship service, joining a connect group. I mean, no, 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 don't go there. But the king... Something happened in his heart. And again, this is a reminder that God really is in control. Christian, non-Christian, God really is in control. He rules and reigns supreme. There is none higher, there is none greater. He, he, he gets, puts something in the heart of the king that causes the king to say, yeah, go see the prophet. And Naaman started his journey towards healing. Why? Well, it's this thing called amazing grace. Amazing grace that God would love a man who's not even a Christian, who has leprosy. The amazing grace that God would love this girl that had been captive and, and taken and put in this, this completely horrible situation, use it for good. Amazing grace that no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what you're doing, what you're planning on doing, you matter to God, even in your excuses. Even when God says, hey, I want you to do this, and you say, but, but God, he cares more for you than you could ever imagine. And so as we go throughout this series, I want you to know that because of God's amazing grace, you matter to him. He has great plans for your life, and, and you need to have great expectations for what he's going to do in your life. Even when you give him your butt, and you allow your butt to get in the way of what he's calling you and asking you to do, and in the ways he's moving in your life. This, this, the, you and I, we, we need to learn how to move our butt and get out of the way and experience what God has next. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us for our online service. If you need prayer, please text us at the number at the bottom of the screen. Also, if you're interested in joining us on site, our service times are in Carroll, 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. on Sundays, and in Creston, 10 a.m. We hope this service has been a blessing to you we look forward to connecting to you soon.